Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Your Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. In this week's episode, we welcome student motivational specialist, David Edward Garcia. He has been voted three times as the number one youth motivational comedian uh, in all the US. Um, he is someone who speaks all across the world. I'm pretty sure he speaks at least five different languages and his focus is student motivation. He has a an online book that he wrote about the three keys to motivate any student. And we dive into that. I mean, I think, um, you know, if you've been a teacher for a day, let alone a year or multiple years, when someone says they can help motivate any student, you can already name like three students in your head of, man, I've tried, I think everything. And so we dive a little bit into that today. David is someone who travels all across the planet. And so today is a first for us. We were lucky to get him in between stops. And so uh, he's coming live and direct from his car while he's traveling, which is pretty neat. Um, but if you've seen any videos on him, if you haven't, after this um, podcast, go check out David Edward Garcia on YouTube. His videos are funny. His videos are captivating. And again, there's, uh, it makes a lot of sense to why he's been voted the number one youth motivational comedian. So it's a fun conversation. Uh, I think you'll all enjoy it. And again, if you've not subscribed, please subscribe. We appreciate your support and thank you for listening. Enjoy this conversation. So David, thank you for making time for us. I know you're a busy man. Let's get this party started since we have a short time with you today. And just ask the question that we start every podcast with is, who are you and what do you love about what you do? Thank you very much. It's my absolute honor. My name is David Edward Garcia. Uh, I'm a comedian. I'm a linguist. I'm a school teacher. I'm a traveling lecturer. I'm a minister of the gospel. And I'm now, uh, as of very recently, an ex-elite Team USA athlete. Uh, that's due to some uh, kind of sports, high-performance sports finishing injuries. That's just due to overuse, but that's what I do. Um, I've spoken on every continent. Uh, I speak English. Uh, también hablo espanol sin problema. Uh, je, je, me, je peux me présenter aussi en français. Pour moi, c'est pas de problème. I was a French teacher and I've done these in French all over the world. También falo portugués y aquí puedo hablar italiano. I've been to every continent except Antarctica. It's too cold. It's too cold out there. <laughs> Uh, it, it is, it is too cold, but there's a lot of places I'm from Florida. originally. <laughs> there's a lot of places that meet that bar for me. Um, you, you said before, I, I've listened to a few of your talks and, uh, read your writing and it said before that you had an epiphany moment early in your life that showed you that, uh, you were meant to do what you're doing today, which is, uh, encouraging and motivating students and just people in general. Tell us about that epiphany moment and what happened and where it's led you to today. Thank you. That's a very good question. So that is nothing unique to me or to any one individual. Um, we've heard all of these, you know, uh, the two greatest days in your life are the day you're born, the day you know why, and all of these. Uh, I have a very uh, strong faith background. Um and I, I believe that uh, not only me, but I believe every single individual has a purpose. Uh, and the, the verbiage is different. Some people call it calling. Some people say purpose, uh, raison d'etre, etc. I struggled through high school. But through those struggles, I was able to make learning simplistic, not because I'm so amazing, but because there was no other way I could pass. And so in that process of learning and simplicity, I also discovered that because of my 
background, uh, I had a strength with languages. I had to traverse two worlds, English, Spanish, two nations, Mexico, U.S. So as a young adult, I always grew up thinking I was dumb. But when I realized that I had a way to make learning simple and I could transmit that to others and I could do it for children in other languages, something just went off. And I was like, I would love to help other children who grew up under the old system. The old system is very competitive. The old system, the old educational system, is if you're top 10% across a bunch of different disciplines, then you think you, you, the system tells you you're smart. You can go to any university you want. And I, as I've grown up more, I've come to dislike the system because I think me competing against you is just going to make me you plus a little bit more or you minus a little bit more. I think when we discover our own genius, and this is where my epiphany was, is that there is no competition. I am the best because I am the only. And so when I had this at, at about 18 years old, it came when I was in Europe and I was hearing different languages and I was like, that's not tough. And everyone's like, oh, it's so hard to learn French and all these other languages. Like, it's not easy. Look, just listen to what he says and repeat it. It's easy. And then I realized it's not easy for everybody. But, but I have also come to realize there's things that are simple for you, Dustin, and for others that I can't do. And so the epiphany is, hey, wait a minute. All of us have a genius. All of us have something unique and a purpose. Why don't, instead of trying to make all humans into this one kind of clone that is competitive and beats somebody else, why don't we just make everybody the best like them ever, period? There's no competition. So from a practical standpoint, I, uh, in one of your writings, this is probably your uh, motivation book for kids, I um, connected with one of your stories about your science background or like your science class and dissecting a frog. I taught trigonometry, right? So like for me, I knew most of my kids were not going to use trigonometry after they left. And that gave me a paradigm of how to look at my kids. When I think about our education system, so you're talking about let's fix the education system, I look at it as gears. There's just big gear that's like, we got to change the policy, the expectations, all of that, maybe the requirement of trigonometry as a class. Then there's a small gear. I'm a teacher, I'm a principal, I'm a district official in the district that we're still playing by some of the same rules that you're wanting to rail against, which is great. But what can I, what can I do in my school to have kids still in this system find their genius, know they're successful, whether they pass, you know, Mr. Odom's uh, trigonometry class or not? That's a strong question because that goes <laughs> to, that's a question that the person who finds and applies that answer has reformed our entire educational system forever. Um, I will give you my, my best synopsis. So I have, I just, I may sound a bit like an iconoclast, uh, iconoclast, but I actually love education. I'm finishing my fifth college degree and I'm about to start my PhD, which is my sixth one. As a school teacher, I can teach seven different disciplines. So when kids hear me, they're like, oh, great. Mr. Garcia is saying that school is terrible. I can, no, no, this is the guy who has more school than you might ever have. So to answer the question, so as somebody who is an iconoclast uh, away in the small gear, but in the big gear, we need to cut the duplicity because we'll say things to kids like if you want to be successful then you have to pass my class no they don't they don't gotta know a square plus b square uh equals c squared to be successful don't lie 
All right. We got to cut the duplicity. When we came back from COVID, the conversation was, um, we've got to make up the learning gap. No, we don't. You didn't learn everything you had to at 18 years old. So why are you using a fear-based educational model to scare kids to do something in a time where they're more stressed to do something you never did? Stop it. So we need to to stop the duplicity. um, And we just need to be honest with kids because when we're telling them, hey, the success, the, the, the your whole future is dependent on a college degree. And when people like Steve Jobs never had a college degree, they're saying, uh, okay, teacher, we just need to be honest. Um, and, and we need to realize that it's okay if they're not okay in everything. I will lecture kids. The science class that I failed, the algebra, algebra class that I failed, I do not use Pythagoras right now. But what those classes did for me is they taught me perseverance, they taught me discipline, and they taught me how to learn something that uh, was difficult. Because a lot of success in our adult life is being great at what you do love and being able to manage what you don't love. And so I tell kids, school's a laboratory. And so maybe that algebra class was giving me a clue to say, hey, you're not supposed to be like working for NASA. That's okay. And so I tell kids, this is a laboratory. And so I think just being real with them like that is important. That's, that's strong. I think, uh, I I tried again, I don't have your passion, your comedic abilities or anything, but I, when I taught trigonometry, I, I just thought, you know, I want my kids to take something from this trigonometry class that is not trigonometry that sets them up for life. And you have a quote that I wish we would have met you know, 20 years ago when I was teaching or when I was starting to teach, uh, which was about something's on the other side of pain. I don't want to steal it from you, but like you say it so powerfully. And I feel like if kids get that and they graduate with that understanding and that leaning into pain, tell us what the quote is and tell us what the power is of it. Because you've seen it all across the world being used. Gosh, I don't know if it's the, the way it's in the book, but it's funny you said that because I'm just about to submit a TEDx talk. The submission is due tonight and it's called The Pathway to Power. Mm. And so the quote is probably that on the other side of power, on the other side of pain is power. And um, when I look at my greatest strengths, when I grew up as a kid, we had to be going, living five minutes from Mexico, traversing both borders. My mom would tell me when I went to Mexico, I had to speak to my cousins in Spanish or they made fun of me. And I said, mom, they already make fun of me. <laughs> we would come back. She said, you can't speak Spanish. You have to switch, switch to English or else the border patrol is not going to let you back in. It's a true story. If you ask border kids, like we always lived on the cusp of fear of deportation. And so I, I, there was something in my child brain that said, this is not normal. But as an adult, when I'm in Europe and I'm switching three or four languages in three or four hours, that came from pain. Right now, I'm, I have, uh, I'm gonna start my sixth college degree that came from the pain of flunking. And so um, there are some things that we just need to learn how to master. I had to learn how to, or navigate, like algebra. I needed to learn how to navigate it. I didn't need to learn how to master it, but 
other things when you're just trying to navigate. I think the whole world, we're just trying to navigate. It's like we're all just trying to spin plates with stress and shortage and jobs and economy. The first step is management. But in going towards management, we will find that there are some things that we just keep managed. And there are other things that we say, this is something I love. I have a gift at this. And that's where we choose to grow. So I was just trying to navigate languages, just like I was trying to navigate uh, Little League, just like I was trying to navigate being an awkward kid. But in that process, uh, I realized I could navigate Little League and let that go. But this language thing is really a passion. And I think many times, you know, the, the, the old joke, I didn't choose the thug life, the thug life chose me, was well, the same way. I feel like we don't really have to choose uh, uh, many times on the other side of that pain, our gifts find us, but we can't quit. It's so easy. And I think if I, and everybody's in a different situation, I cannot compare my pain, even if it's the exact situation of somebody else and say, oh, get over it because everybody feels pain different. But I didn't have the luxury of having rich people to bail me out. I could not say, I just can't do this. I can't do this. Because if I didn't, I would have stayed stuck. Uh, my comedy teacher said, you would have still been stuck in your mother's basement. And so, again, I'm not saying that other people, um, you know, they have the luxury of being bailed out. I, I can't speak to other people. All I can speak to is my experience and the human experience that says on the other side of pain uh, is power. Well, I, I wish you the best in uh, getting that TEDx through because I... Again, it's a it's a really simple quote, but it's so powerful. The other side of pain is power. And if I could have every kid, every one of my students, my three boys understand that, that's a perspective to come into every challenging situation that something's going to be unleashed once you get past it. We don't know what, but something's going to be unleashed. So there's like a an anticipation of getting through it, which is different from what most people want to do with pain, right? So one of the things right. that uh, you've written is uh, you've got... Uh, a book out there that talks about, uh, or even if it's an online books, like three keys to motivate any student. That is something that every educator would love to have insight to. So I'm curious, uh, what's your <laughs> advice? Cause I know it's, it's somewhat tongue in cheek. Cause I, you're a very humble person as I've seen in a lot of things, like you're funny, confident, but also incredibly humble, which is a really good mix of, uh, talents to have. How how are we going to motivate kids? I can think of a few that I'm like, every teacher that you probably talked to has probably said, let me give you three examples right now. Tell me how to motivate them. Good luck. So what's the key? Well, I think I'd have to add a fourth one if you're saying it for teachers. Uh, and the fourth one, um, I'll put that at the end. But the first one, I tell kids all over the world, find your, uh, find your superpower. Find your genius. The piece we just talked about. Everybody has something find it. And in the actual book, and I just did a second edition that I'm going to print this summer, we go through some questions, but a big piece is pain. Another, the second one is find your story. All right. And, and that's that um, it doesn't matter what is happening in the world. It matters what's happening in your world. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It matters what you believe about you. Right now, uh, I was speaking with my mother and we were speaking about a family member and they were talking about something that I was doing. And they said, what do you think that family member is going to think about you, Dave? I said, let me stop right there. I'm not going to start pre-stressing out on what they're going to think because I have no control over that. And even if they do have a thought contrary to what I want to do, they ain't living my life. They ain't paying my bills. Okay, so we've got to find 
our story. And I think that's a powerful thing, especially in this uh, pandemic season. We've lost a lot of causality. Like normal is if I want something, I go to the store, I buy it, case closed. Today is I go to the store, the store's closed because nobody's working. I go to the other store, they ran out. I, got a, I go to the third store and they're yelling at me just because I walked in without a mask by accident. And so we've lost a lot of causality. There's a lot of things we can't control. Um, masks are on, masks are off, things are closed, things are open. We can't control that. But what we can control is our story. And so the second thing is encourage children to own their story. And it's so easy to blame other people. Like, well, they did this. They... No, no, we're not talking about that. What's your story? The third thing is find your team. None of us can make it here alone. And in my life, I, I aim and I hope and I'm trying to grow in servant leadership, which is that conglomeration of confidence, confidence that says, I have a superpower and I want to share it with the world. Humility that says, you have a superpower. I want you to share it with my work. And so when we have a team, we are actively being the energy that we want others to give to us. And when we have that kind of positive, and, and you know, in the foundation that you're at, you know, all the speakers, you know, you're the average of five people, all that. We all know that. So, so find your story, uh, find your superpower, find your story, find your super team. And the third one as a teacher is just know that you can't be everything for every child. And so you might do your best. You might do all the trauma-informed lectures. You might do all the, you might have a master's and work on a doctoral thesis on how to reach the unreachable and pipeline a person. You might do all that. And you still might have a kid who wants to swing at you or curse you out in class. That could happen. And if it does happen, you are not in the minority. That happens. But it's been my experience that the kids that we impact the most don't always talk the most in the classroom. It's when you see them after. Yeah. I think, you know, if we have more time, I would dive deeply into how do we find your genius? How do we find that? How do we help kids find their and own their story? I really think there's a lot of power to that. I'm sure you get that feedback a lot. Um, and then finding your team. You know, one selfish question I have is I've been talking to my eight-year-old recently about uh, choosing friends, right? And what to look for. What kind of advice do you have for folks or kids that you give when they're trying to find their team? What, who are they looking for? How are they looking? Like, how, how do you find the right team? That's a, you, <laughs> you're pretty good at this. You ask wonderful <laughs> questions. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could probably answer this question better than me. The only, this is what I do because that's a very good question. And I wish I had the best answer. And I'm aware that I don't. What I do in auditoriums, and I'll stop, and other speakers have criticized this because it changes the dynamic. When you're with 1,000, 2,000 people, there's a collective room dynamic. And I do what I'm about to share with you, and it does shift it. But I, I do it anyways. I'll ask kids to write, or teachers, um, to write down what is your story, uh, what kind of energy do you deserve? Write some words that describe the energy you deserve. Respect, um, appreciation, kindness, write that down. And then when you start to become conscious, you're realizing, oh, I need to find people like this on my team. I need to find people like this who, um, who give these qualities that I have. And 
I also need to give these. Yeah. So I think that's one way. And I say that because the only one that can find the best teammates for you is you. So I think having children ask, what, what, what do you need? Let's write this out and let's start putting this on our radar. I'm going to find people like this, or I'm going to track people like this, or these are the people that I'm going to connect with. That's great. I, you know, I think I, again, I'm, I have three kids, the eight-year-old's my oldest. And so I'm trying to navigate the first one. And it's a balance of like, I want my son to love everyone and embrace everyone and welcome everyone and like just lean in with everyone. But the inner circle, it's kind of like me, I try to live that, but like the folks that can really cut me or give me feedback that like really hurts in a way that like I need to make some changes. I try to keep that group small because if you open up too much, you would it'd be tough to get off the ground. And so I'm just curious. I think you're, you're right. Every kid needs to know their genius and it doesn't need to be defined by whether they understand math or reading or not. Right. Um, ideally everyone could read, everyone could do some math, but like we want to make sure that they know that they have a gift to give the world. I love the own your story because so many people let other people tell them what their story is. And so that's so powerful. And then find your team because again, out of humility, none of us get to where we are without a lot of other people. And so when you think about uh, like right now, I'm sure you've got events all next week and coming up this summer. You know, if I'm an administrator thinking about, you know, should I reach out to you for support in my schools? Why, why would I reach out to you? What's, what's your, what's your target? Who, who are you trying to serve right now? Or who's your best audience? Um, that's a strong question. So I, I actually go from this year and I've done it all from elementary children to adults. And so, um, I think my, my goal or who I'm serving is, is people who are just trying to make it or to go from making it to being successful, just trying to get people, uh, up a little more. And so my, my audience, I wish it was like, you know, the 10 best practices in the classroom to amplify gifted and talents, talented learning. That, that's great. I go to those and I marvel at those. That's just not me. So like with, I just wrote, I just actually, I'm going to put out three books over the summer. I wrote them over the COVID time, but I just didn't release them because it wasn't the moment. So one of them is teaching the pandemic generation, how, um, you know, how pivots, how we got to pivot in the classroom and do different things. So that's for teachers. And, um, you know, I have a workshop for teachers called Survive the Five um, because the average teacher lasted five years. But in the last school year, the average new teacher lasts one year. So in this last year, Survive the Five has become Survive the One. So it's just really goals um, like like how to, you know, teacher, how to make it, how to make it uh, through this school year. How to, and, and again, for, for a half of the teachers, if they just make it till May, that's a win. And so that's a big group of who I'm speaking to. There was a, I had a conference call recently and they're like, hey, we are the department heads. We've been here for 20 years. Uh, we don't really need to, to just kind of make it to next year. We need uh, something else. Great. Then you're going to find a person that's going to talk to department heads. Um, with children, I think my voice is really for every child um, because if I think every child is struggling with something and I think, you know, even the smart kids or even those that are, have everything going for them or party kids, whatever, 
every kid needs guidance. And again, the guidance that I'm offering is that that the answer, the superhero is within you. I'm not going to bestow the magical knowledge. You got to find it. So with children, um, you know, I, I feel very comfortable. I'm also a trained comedian. I used to do comedy in New York City. So especially with kids, we do so much uh, professional stand-up uh, with the children. And so in elementaries, I dislike to admit I'm not a child, child specialist, <laughs> like uh, second grade, first grade, but they're so fun. They're so fun. And I love it. And I think they love the presentation too. That's awesome. I, again, if we have more time, my wife uh, taught in the Bronx for a while and her favorite place in New York is the comedy cellar. So every time we go back, we go to the comedy cellar, which is like the greatest comedy place that I know of. Um, but we don't have time for that. We've got five minutes and I got to let you out of here. But uh, the questions that we have that we ask everybody at the end of the season are just real quick, rapid fire questions. What is a habit or discipline that you utilize every day or it could be every week to help you be the best version of yourself? Um, exercise was a huge one until my injuries. And that's why I'm a little bit tanked right now. But exercise, uh, it helps my brain and helps my body and keeps me moving. That's awesome. How about a book or a podcast or what? however, you know, it could be periodical something that you either read of the course of your life or recently that you think other people need to check out? <laughs> this might be the first time you hear this. This might not be. Uh, again, I mentioned I have a very spiritual background. So for the last seven years, I've been reading a one-year Bible and I just read um, the passage of the day. I just go to that day and read it and it pulls me through. I take application from the stories to me. Um, but that one, if you tell someone, you got to check out this one-year Bible, it puts some people away. So I'm just sharing, this is what I read and right. it's done so much for me and I'm, I'm continuing doing it because um, it's not, it's the human story and, and, you know, the problems that people of old had, we have them too. And if they overcame, we could too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, you're in your car right now. Uh, what's on your playlist? If you're rocking out on a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning or a weekend? Like what's on your playlist? What, what music you listen to? What artists you listen to? What songs you listen to? <laughs> if I'm uh, in the gym, I'm all about that uh, Tiesto. <laughs> ah. DJ Tiesto. Yes. All about that club life. And if I'm kind of, if I'm relaxing or driving, Kygo. And if I really want to chill and be pensive, Shalu. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 with two out of three of those. I have to look up the last one. What'd you say, Shalom? Shalu. It's um it's spelled like shallow, but instead of a W at the end, it's a U. Got it. All right. I love this. It's my favorite question to ask people. It's probably the most selfish question I ask people as well. All right. You're someone who travels across the world. You're probably exposed to all sorts of really inspirational stories and thought leaders. What's the best piece of advice that you have for people right now that you've come across recently or just is in your heart uh, when it comes to getting through change, getting through tough times, getting through like just pushing past pain, right? What's the best advice that you just have to share with anybody right now? You, you matter. You matter. And I think in the world right now, I think of what's happening in parts of the world where powerful, mostly powerful dictatorial men, but some powerful dictatorial women. But we're in a world right now where some people are making decisions 
that impacts all of us in ways we don't want to be impacted. So it's easy to kind of think, well, maybe I don't matter because other people are running things. No, you matter. And, um, and you're stronger than you think. You matter and you're stronger than you think. Well, um, I can't thank you enough for fitting us into your schedule today. I can't believe managing surgery and your travel schedule and everything else. This was uh, a blessing. and I appreciate you making time for us. And uh, I look forward to possibly talking to you again soon. Oh, thank you. And yes, it's, it's been my absolute honor. Thank you. Thank you. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.